Good morning. It's sort of less than a happy ending to a story or to a book. And by the way, this isn't the last Sunday uh, because we're not quite done. We're introducing the last portion of a book called Beginnings. We're calling it Beginnings. It's the, the title of a book many of us are reading. That's the New Living Translation uh, version of Genesis through Deuteronomy or the Torah. Torah is made up of five books, the core uh, scriptures of the Jewish faith, and absolute foundational for our faith. And of all those books, um, boy, it's hard to say which part of the Torah is most important or most significant. It's a good chance that, that we know most of the stories from Genesis, above all. There's just so many significant things there, from the beginning of all of us, the beginning of everything, to the calling of Abraham. And the judgment in between of God and the world connected with a man named Noah. We know a lot of the stories connected with the Exodus, with God's people being freed from slavery and the plagues and the Red Sea and all that. Uh, Deuteronomy is not a section that's full of stories. Well, and not stories that are happening in the moment for the most part. It's mostly Moses talking, but as Moses talks, he tells stories. And when I say tell stories, he's not uh, spinning yarns or making up tales. He's telling about where they've been. He's telling about the history of a people to, so they, they get who they are and where they've been. Deuteronomy may or may not be the kind of book that immediately grips your attention, but um, we're a gathering of Christians here this morning, most of us. And this is a Christian church, and we're here to worship God in the name of Jesus Christ. And it's worth noting that the book of Deuteronomy was one of the most significant books in the Old Testament for the early Christians and for Jesus. In fact, the book of Deuteronomy is quoted over a hundred times in the New Testament. It just rises up among all the other books. It, along with just a few others, rises up as, as a place of great and profound significance for God's people in an ongoing way. It's not just an old book. It is that but it's a word that God wants us to hear again and again. We're going to be reading it this week. This week, actually, as you start reading or continue reading, you'll be reading the end of the book of Numbers and the first part of the book of Deuteronomy. And a week from now, we'll be introducing the latter part of the book of Deuteronomy, although we just got a good look at the whole thing. I want to take a moment and pray with you right now, and then let's dive in. Okay, Father, we bow before you. We are grateful to be here. It's good to be with uh, brothers and sisters, friends, and for those who are new in our midst this morning, we not only give you thanks for them, but we hope that we get to make new friends with them this morning as well. But it is especially good to be with you, to worship you, uh, to speak from our hearts to you in prayer and song, but now also to be kind of quiet and to listen to you. Not so much to listen to a preacher as to listen to what you say through your written word. And we pray that it will make new sense to us this morning, that you will use it to say something into our lives that is true and significant and that matters, and that you will help your continuing work through this word this morning, help your continuing work further that work of shaping us to be more like your son, Jesus. Pray all this in his name. Amen. That you might know. Do you like to know things? I do. 
I don't know if it's so much I like to know things as that I don't like not knowing things. You know what I mean? There's nothing like being ignorant. <laughs> There's nothing like being somewhere and you don't get what's going on. There's nothing like being with a group of friends and someone cracks a joke and everybody's laughing and you're laughing too, but you don't get it. It just went right over your head. That happened a lot to me when I was a kid, but sometimes I still don't get it. But everybody's laughing, so it must be funny. must be something wrong with me. I don't know. Uh, There were a number of people, I'm aware of a number of people who got to visit the emergency room yesterday. Do you know why they went there, some of them? Because they didn't know. There was a problem. There was a feeling. Something had occurred. Something was going on. But they didn't know. And that, as much as anything, was eating at them. Hmm. Nothing like uh, sitting back in school. Some of you are there right now. Some of you haven't been there in a long time. I've been in school recently, but... In the schooling I do, I haven't experienced this at all. We don't do tests where where I'm at. I I, I don't get exams. But I do remember what they were like. I remember sitting there, and man, when I knew things, I was flying and I was feeling good. But when I got to a question, it's like, oh, I don't know. And what was really annoying was to glance up, not to try to get help from anybody else. Person of integrity now, okay? But just looking around, and it seemed like nobody else was doing what I was doing, which was just staring at the page. I don't know. They're, they're writing, and they're doing things. Oh, I hope some of them don't know, too. We don't like to be alone in our ignorance. It matters to know. Here's the thing I want you to see from the book of Deuteronomy this morning, that God wants us to know. He doesn't want us to know everything. Everything isn't for us to know. Don't worry. We're finite. We can't, our brains cannot contain everything, all right? If we literally tried to cram all information, all knowledge, all truth, all wisdom into our craniums, we would explode and and cease to exist. We're finite. We can't know everything. But nonetheless, God wants us to know. He wants us to understand. And that's a phrase he uses in the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy, again, is more than anything, Moses speaking to a people who have been wandering for a long time. The old timers, I mean, everybody over 60 isn't around anymore. The people who had left Egypt and tasted freedom and been brought to the edge of the promised land. And God said, go in, just like I took you out of Egypt and protected you from those folks. Just like I took you through the Red Sea and I protected you from the waters and the pursuing army. So I will go ahead of you and I will guide you and I will protect you and I will give this land to you. Even if you see big walled cities and armaments and people who look like giants and they intimidate you, don't worry I am with you, I'm beside you, even more, I'm leading the way. But in spite of God's word of encouragement, God's word of command, God's word of invitation, and God's promise, they were too afraid and they didn't do it. Instead of that 11-day journey into the promised land from Mount Sinai, they ended up taking a four-decade journey, wandering around, going nowhere. 
My friend Dan Ryan from when I was a kid. Man, I wonder where Dan Ryan is. I don't know. But sometimes I'd ask Dan what he had done the day before, and he'd say, I was wandering aimlessly. I just just kind of going nowhere. That's almost what the people of God were doing. But when we get to the point of Deuteronomy, it is the moment of no longer wandering aimlessly. There is a goal. There is a destination. It is time to cross that boundary and head into that promised land that they've heard about and maybe forgotten about sometimes, but they're hearing about it again. And so Moses wants them to remember and he wants them to understand, so he, he, he speaks to them. Because these things matter. And what he does more than anything else is he speaks words that many of them have heard before, but they're going to hear it again. And he's explaining it to them. So they get it. He's explaining it to them. So they feel how important it is. He's explaining it to them because they've gotten a little rusty. He's explaining it to them because one of their most important tasks in life ongoing forever is going to be this. We want you always to tell your children what happened and why it matters and who we are. And guess what? Friends, those of you who are parents and grandparents, and those of you who are influencers of younger people, this is a word for all of you, just like it was a word for all of God's people from Moses long ago. You need to know this, not just for yourself, but because God communicates to younger people through you. If you don't get it, how are they going to know? If you don't have something to communicate that makes sense, and, 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 and grips them somehow, and helps them understand what matters, they may never hear it from anybody else. It is that significant. And so Moses started speaking, and he started sharing. And this morning, I want to dive into one particular passage. It's Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 32 to 40. We're going to throw the words up on the screen. I'm going to invite you to stand with me right now as we listen to God's word through Moses, to the children of Israel long ago, and to us. Now search all of history from the time God created people on the earth until now, and search from one end of the heavens to the other. Has anything as great as this ever been seen or heard before? Has any nation ever heard the voice of God speaking from fire as you did and survived? Has any other God dared to take a nation for himself out of another nation by means of trials, miraculous signs, wonders, war, a strong hand, a powerful arm, and terrifying acts? Yet that is what the Lord your God did for you in Egypt right before your eyes. He showed you these things so you would know that the Lord is God and there is no other. He let you hear his voice from heaven so he could instruct you. He let you see his great fire here on earth so he could speak to you from it. Because he loved your ancestors, he chose to bless their descendants. And he personally brought you out of Egypt with a great display of power. He drove out nations far greater than you so he could bring you in and give you their land as your special possession as it is today. So remember this and keep it firmly in mind The Lord is God both in heaven and on earth, and there is no other. If you obey all the decrees and commands I'm giving you today, all will be well with you and your children. I'm giving you these instructions so you will enjoy a long life in the land the Lord your God is giving you for all time. 
This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. It's really something what, uh, what uh, God's word says in this particular place. What Moses is saying to these people. I'm going to just uh, keep my own book open here to page 280. It's where I'm reading from. And I, I, I want to read these first couple of words again and hear what, what Moses is saying. He's, he's summing up the first part of his communication in these words. All the things he said in those first couple of pages. He's kind of bringing it back to bear on them. And he wants them to imagine something. He says, I want you to think about it. I want you to think about all, I want you to think about everything. And I want you to think about all history, all the stories of all the peoples, of all the things that have ever happened on earth. And I want you to ask yourself, has there ever been anything like this before? Now search all of history from the time God created people on the earth until now and search from one end of the heavens to the other. Has anything as great as this ever been seen or heard before? It's a rhetorical question, okay? Do you know what the answer is? The answer is no. Nothing like this has ever been seen before. Nothing like this has ever occurred before. What's this? Well, we'll come back to that in a minute. Let's keep it going. Has any nation ever heard the voice of God speaking from fire as you did and survived? Has any other God dared to take a nation for himself out of Another nation, by means of trials, miraculous signs, wonders, war, a strong hand, a powerful arm, and terrifying acts. Yet that is what the Lord your God did for you in Egypt, right before your eyes. Have you ever seen anything? Has has anybody ever seen anything like this? Have you ever heard anything? Has anybody ever heard anything like this before? And Moses is really saying, he's implying to them, no, it hasn't. And what is he talking about? He's talking about, let's make it simple by, um, I'm going to name a, a place and an event. But they're really kind of two events. The, the place, and it's going to be uh, backward chronological order, because that's how he references them. The first thing he references, has anybody ever heard God speaking to them out of a fire and survived? Do you know what that's a reference to? Let me just say one word, Sinai. Sinai. When God's people had traveled for a very short amount of time and they come to a special place, the mountain of God, Horeb, Sinai, and they camped out there. And God had come down in that place and he showed his presence. God is everywhere, but he showed his presence so they could see it because most of the time we can't see God. We can't see him here right now. But I tell you something, he is with us. He receives our prayer and our praise And he speaks to us, and always the question is, is God's Spirit opening our eyes and our understanding so we can really hear from him and we can perceive him? Well, he made it simple then. He came down in a visible way, in a powerful way, and in an oral way, a verbal way. He spoke, Sinai. And the second event is the previous event. Has any God ever reached into a nation and taken a people who were enslaved by somebody else in the midst of that nation, walked onto some other God's territory, and taken that people by whatever means necessary to set them free and take them out of that land and set them on the road to a place where God had for them in mind? And you know what the word for that is? It's the name of a book. Exodus. 
Sinai and Exodus. Sinai and Exodus. Here's the first thing you always want to remember. It's so significant that God speaks. How do I know that? Because God has spoken. God has spoken. God is a God who communicates. A a generation ago or more, uh, a writer by the name of Francis Schaeffer wrote a book, and he titled it this. It was about God, but it was not just about God. It was about more than that. It was about something in particular. He said about God, he is there and he is not silent. What did Francis Schaeffer mean? He meant this. When he said he is there, he's saying God really is. God really exists. He's not a figment of someone's imagination. He's not a myth or an idea or a dream or a convenient excuse. But God really is. He is there. But the second thing is basically just as important. Because without the second, we would be clueless about who he is and what matters and how we could ever have life with him. And we would miss out on everything. But the good news is this, he's not only there, but he's not silent. He is a God who speaks and who communicates. Does God speak? Does he speak to you? (laughs) I heard about this uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, I don't watch The Voice. The Voice? The View. Where did I get that? Maybe it's because I'm talking about a voice. The voice spoke out of the cloud. I knew there was something wrong. If I ever get something wrong... Please help me, okay? All right. So the view. And uh, Joy Behar was speaking about a particular politician in America who apparently is a, um, is a Christian and talks about, I don't know if he's used these words or not, but she used them, um, talks about not just talking to Jesus, but Jesus talking to him. And that was a, a point of relatively great ridicule on the show. And actually... Between you and me, again, I don't know what the politician said, but um, I actually don't, would never go around walking, walking and talking and saying to people, um, God speaks to me. Because do you know why? It's, not, it's probably not a good opening line. Do you know what it sounds like? If I say, God spoke to me today, it sounds like I've, I've got some issues. Okay? I've got some problems. People immediately think someone's hearing voices, someone's schizophrenic, something's odd. And that was the joke that was being made. But the story that we are reading says that, in fact, the God of the universe is a God who speaks. And here's the other truth. He wants people to hear him and to listen to him. It's an awesome truth that he speaks. Because words, man, a picture is worth a thousand words, sometimes, in a lot of ways. Actions speak louder than words. Yes, in some ways, but not in all ways. Without words to tell, without words to explain, without words to give the meaning, without words that say why, without words that define, a picture actually sometimes just leaves us confused. And if you ever walk into an art museum and look at a painting and think, I don't know. I don't know. What, what's that about? You know the only way to sometimes understand what that is about from an artist is if an artist tells you what that is about. Oh, I get it now. Suddenly, the picture is worth a thousand words because there were words that helped 
Let's understand the picture. Words are significant. You can't do without them. And God can't do without him in terms of reaching us and speaking to us. So on this occasion, as God had brought his people out of Egypt, out of slavery, and they were by, the, uh, by Mount Sinai, God spoke to his people. He spoke about who they were, and he reminded them how they got there in the first place, that I am your God, and I've, uh, I've chosen you, and I've taken you out of slavery, and I've borne you along on eagle's wings, and I've brought you to this place. And I am building a relationship with you. We're going to call it a covenant relationship. I am your God and you will be my people. Are you in on this? Are you going to join up? Are you saying yes? I'm saying yes to you. Are you going to say yes to me? God asks all those questions. And then he says, I want you always to remember who I am. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of slavery. Never forget who you were. Never forget where you were. Never forget what life was like. Never forget what things were like before you knew me. I'm the one who set you free from that, and I'm the one who's taking you to God defined himself. And then God spoke, and he said, this is how I want you to live. I want you to know. Know the God's. No images. I don't want you to misuse my name. I want you to take a special day every week for your own good and the good of your family and the good of your community. Don't be busy. Don't be running. Don't be working. Slow down and spend time with me. I want you to honor those who came before you, including those who are living right now, including your very own mom and dad. I don't want you to murder. I don't want you to commit adultery. I don't want you to steal. I don't want you to lie behind people's backs in a way to throw them off. And I don't want you to covet. I don't want you to give your life to what somebody else has that you want. God spoke. You know what's really powerful and significant about how God spoke? It was awesome. It was awesome how God spoke. Listen to these words again. Has any nation ever heard the voice of God speaking from fire as you did and survived? Survived. What was it about that moment? There was nothing hidden. That's what it was about that moment. That God was there, and God was there in power. God was there in a way that people knew he was right there. And when God spoke, they understood that his words were different than any words they'd ever heard before from anybody else. Those words shook them. Those words had power because it was God speaking to them. There was something awe-inducing about it. I don't know that we can understand that. Because sometimes, honestly, guess what? You're not the only one. I've been that way too. Sometimes we hear words from the Bible or reading it, and it's, it's not always easy for us. And the truth is, sometimes we yawn. But you know what? The words that we find in the Bible are God's words to us. And if we really got it and we really understood, we would never yawn. We would never look away. We'd say, God's Talk to me. Keep speaking to me. Help me understand. Help me get it. There's power in those words. King David in Psalm 119 spoke these words. Verse 161. My heart stands in awe or trembles at your word. That's what the people did in the very beginning. God spoke to them. And it was 
amazing that he did. Don't take that for granted. Don't take that for granted. And don't minimize the way God speaks to us today. How does God speak to us more than anywhere else? 2,000 years ago, the word became flesh. God's communication became a human being and walked around. And people saw him and they heard him and they touched him. God's word, his communication became real. But God's word also became word. God's word was written. And we have it. And when we open the Bible, when we do it together, when we struggle with it, it's not always easy. We don't always get it. But we do get a lot of it. And if we listen, God is speaking into our lives. Don't let go of it. Mahatma Gandhi was not a Christian. But he read the Bible. He was aware of Jesus. He could never quite bring himself to say yes to Jesus. But he was drawn to Jesus. One time he said this. He said, you Christians have in your keeping a document with enough dynamite in it to blow the whole of civilization to bits. To turn society upside down. To bring peace to this war-torn world. But you read it as if it was just good literature and nothing else. Gandhi, onto something? Now, sometimes in this day and age, increasingly, we actually don't even read it. And we're not interested in good literature. But this book has power. There's never been anything like it. Something else about this God. Listen, has any other God dared to take a nation for himself out of another nation by means of trials and miraculous signs, wonders, war, a strong hand, a powerful arm, and terrifying acts? Yes, that is what the Lord your God did for you in Egypt right before your eyes. God came to these people. God actually did something. The world was full of religions and peoples of gods who didn't really exist. Do you know the only people acting in human religion for thousands of years have been people? Cultures that come up with different ideas, different theories, different mythologies and stories to explain how life began. Some of them have certain similarities to the Bible, but actually, overall, you'd be surprised the extraordinary differences between the stories and the stories we find in the Bible. The gods are different. Generally speaking, they're not astounding. They're not infinitely powerful. They're not totally wise. They are not purely good. They're otherwise. What happens in those faiths is that people work really hard to get those gods' attention. They try to manipulate those gods. They do the best they can to make sense of life. But all the busyness is human busyness. But but in Egypt, the better part of 4,000 years ago, God came and he took a people who were in slavery and he set them free. And he defeated a human leader with great power and he defeated a God of that nation. And he set them free. What God is saying to his people long ago and he's saying to us is what I said before from Francis Schaeffer's book. He is there and he is active. That's what I think he was saying. He's there. God really exists. But not just that. God shows up and he is at work. He is there. 
That's a long time ago. But that same God is still around. A long time ago, something else happened, but it was a lot more recent than the Exodus. God came to earth in Jesus. And you know where God was most profoundly present of all in Jesus' life and his story? Was that week in Jerusalem. And that day on Friday that we will celebrate in just over a month when Jesus died. It looked like nothing was there. In fact, it looked like God wasn't there at all. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is what Jesus said from the cross that day. That's sure what it looked like and it's sure how it felt to everybody. But on Sunday it was unmistakable because God took a dead man and he didn't just bring him back to life. He transformed him. He was alive, Jesus In a way he hadn't been before, his body was glorified. He was somewhat different than he'd been before. And when God did that and God took that action, God did a work of beginning to change people's lives. And he's been doing it for a long time. The last couple of days there's been a lot of attention given to uh, uh, a man by the name of Billy Graham. 99 years old. Lived longer, I think, than he wanted to. I don't think he's been doing very much for the last five years. A pretty limited existence in his home. But the Lord said it was time, and he took him home. And Billy Graham was a figure of great significance in in history, in modern history. For Americans, and for the world in some ways, and for Christians. But I have a good feeling that most younger people in this room barely have any knowledge of Billy Graham. His public life was long ago. There's been a lot of attention on TV and publications and online to his passing and who he was and his significance. Yesterday in the Wall Street Journal, Peggy Noonan wrote a piece about Billy Graham, and she told a particular story that's somewhat well-known. It's the story about Louis Zamperini. Some of you read the book, Unbroken. Some of you saw the movie, Unbroken, about an Olympic athlete From 1936 and before, he lived a long time ago, except that he just died a couple of years ago. He lived a really long life. He was very fast. In World War II, he was shot down over the uh, Pacific Ocean one day. The, The plane went down, and they drifted. He and two other guys survived and drifted on a raft for over 30 days, surviving, doing the best they could to make it. And then they were rescued. Unfortunately, they were rescued by the enemy, by the Japanese. They were taken back ultimately to the mainland. And Louis Zamperini, in particular, was imprisoned and tortured and abused and almost destroyed, except he had a strong will and a strong spirit, and he wasn't taken down. He survived, but he survived barely. He came back to the United States with his wife. He lived. He did his stuff for a number of years. But his life was falling apart rapidly. Years passed by and things weren't going well. In particular, Louis' life was controlled by alcohol. He was an alcoholic. He was a bad alcoholic. It was going nowhere. His wife was just about done with their marriage. She wanted out. She heard about some meetings taking place in Los Angeles in a tent. Thousands of people were going. Some guy by the name of Billy Graham, a preacher. Louis Zamperini was not interested in all. He did not want to go because preachers are crooked and just trying to fleece people. They're just entertainers. 
That's what he thought. And uh, one way or the other, finally one day, his wife got him to go. And he went. And somehow or another, everything seemed different from what he expected. And Billy Graham did not seem to be the person he was expecting to see. And he listened. And he heard. And he heard God speak to him as God told the story of Jesus to him. And he said, yes. He said yes to Jesus. And you know what God did in that day and the days after? God changed Louis Zamperini. A survivor. A tough guy. Unbroken. But guess what? The unbroken guy's life was falling apart. But suddenly, in 1949 in Los Angeles, he met Jesus. And the God who set Israelites free from slavery thousands of years ago set Louis Zamperini free from that. And his life was changed. He had a purpose. He had a story. He gave gifts with his life. He, in particular, influenced the lives of so many kids. And he transformed their lives because his life was transformed. The God who freed slaves in Egypt and the God who spoke to them long ago is a God who is real. He is there. Another way of saying that is he is here and he's not silent and he is active and he wants to be involved in your life. And Moses told this story to people for whom it was recent news and he said, I want you to hear it. Because I want you to listen, I want you to believe, and I want you to follow. How about you? Above all, what God promises is listen to me and follow me and do what I say, and your lives will be blessed. Good lives, long lives. That's what God spoke to them. He speaks that promise of blessing to us too. Let's pray. Father, we bow before you. In all of history, there had never been anything like it before. We're here today, and we don't see the, the smoke and the fire on the mountain, and we don't hear loud thunder, and your voice doesn't come to us in the same way, but you speak to us still. Long ago, you set a people free, a whole people free, by direct action. I don't see you doing that today. In the same way. But you're a God who speaks to us. And you're a God who still changes people's lives. Through your son Jesus. Help us to be careful. And to listen. And to love. Because you are real. And you are good. 